You're going to make errors. Again, these are things that you learn in your journey towards a CCNA. It's best to learn it in a labbing environment before you get onto real devices. So play, break things, fix them. That's how we all learn. Those words of wisdom are coming to us from our returning presenter, Jeff Anderson. In case you missed our previous episode, Jeff is a product manager for the new enterprise networking track, as well as the business transformation and service provider certification tracks. In this episode, we're going to be hearing from Jeff about common command line interface commands, what those commands do, and when to use them. Jeff begins by providing a brief overview of the world and value of Cisco certifications in this episode presented by the Cisco Learning Network. So welcome to the World Certifications. You know, we are targeting with this people who are early in their career certification journey, hopefully early in their Cisco career. So we give you a feel for what it takes to be prepared. Last time we talked about exam tactics and tips. This time we're talking about the command line and what you need to know for your CCNA certification. And then we are also working towards the next one, which we'll be talking about some of the very important things about access control lists and IPv4 and IPv6. Certifications are your path into a career. And the CCNA being one of the most broadly attained and most respected entry-level certifications out there, it really is the beginning of your journey. Either use it to get your foot in the door, you can enhance or elevate your current career, or you can switch careers if you're later in your career, and that happens very often as well. Certifications are very important milestones. They both validate your knowledge, both to yourself. It gives you a little bit of bragging rights. You can put that into your signatures. You can put that on your LinkedIn profile. It's something that people will acknowledge and recognize that you have accomplished something. But it also proves that you are ready and capable You know, if you are starting off as a junior network engineer or network technician, the CCNA can jumpstart that career, give you an impulse into moving onward and better things. Just wanted to remind people that we are targeting those just starting their Cisco career certification journey in this one. Before we go further, let's talk about what the command line is. We realize that this might be basic information for many of our listeners, so if you'd like to skip ahead, please feel free to skip ahead 30 seconds in the episode to get back to Jeff. A command line interface, known as a CLI, is a text-based user interface, or UI, used to view and manage computer files. Command line interfaces are also called command line user interfaces, console user interfaces, and character user interfaces. Simply put, a command line processes commands to a computer program in the form of lines of text. The command line has a long history of evolution, but in summary, this method of inputting text commands that computers follow was derived from teleprinter machines. Teleprinter machines are electromechanical devices that can be used to send and receive type messages through various communications channels. Developed in the late 1830s and 1840s, teleprinters were initially used in telegraphy, which is the science of long-distance transmission of written messages. These written messages that people initially used the teleprinter for were obviously meant for another human to read. But in the 1950s, teleprinter users started using a command line interface to communicate with the teleprinter itself. Landley, in The Art of Unix Usability, explains further that CLI, quote, were closely associated with the rise of time-sharing computers. The concept of time-sharing dates back to the 1950s. The most influential early experiment was the Multics operating system after 1965, and by far the most influential of present-day command line interfaces is that of Unix itself, which dates back from 1969 and has exerted a shaping influence on most of what came after it. The widespread adoption of video display terminals, VDTs, in the mid-1970s ushered in the second phase of command line systems. 
end quote. Today, we use Cisco IOS Command Line Interface, or CLI, which is the primary user interface used for configuring, monitoring, and maintaining Cisco devices. This user interface allows you to directly and simply execute Cisco IOS commands, whether using a router console or terminal, or using remote access methods. To learn more about the Cisco IOS command line interface, please visit the link in the description. We are not going to delve too deeply into securing the session. Remember, this is for preparing for a career certification. That's not to discount the importance of security and securing your environment but your path to your CCNA route switch particularly, and then the new CCNA, while there will be security components to it, it won't be the highest focus of what you're trying to accomplish. I'm also going to be covering the typical universe needed for CCNA route switch. Just wanted to remind people that the full set of iOS commands is absolutely enormous, and I will show you that very shortly. So what we are covering will also apply to the new CCNA certification. That's the new portfolio that will be rolling out, and the certification exams will be available February 24th, 2020. So what we're talking about today is applicable to the exams as they exist today and the certifications of tomorrow. So if you go to Cisco, cisco.com, and search for iOS command list. The link to the Cisco iOS master command list Jeff mentions here will be included in the description of this episode. And you'll look at the table of contents, and there's this huge section on just the number one, and then A through B. So if we just go into there for a second and take a brief look at it, you'll see all the commands. So there aren't very many ones, but there's an awful lot of A's and B's and C's and so on. So the reality is, and what I'm trying to point out here, is that the universe of iOS commands is huge. There are a lot of esoteric commands for very specific situations, very much corner cases or edge cases or very special applications. The reality is for a CCNA or a CCNP certification, you do not need the vast majority of them. The key here is to remember that Google is your friend. But the command line is your viewport into the world of Cisco devices. It really is what you can accomplish. Everything you can accomplish with Cisco devices can be managed through the command line. It can be daunting, as I just showed, that that list of commands and various parameters that you can interact with is enormous. Like the OED, the Oxford English Dictionary, you can't expect to know the definition of every word in it, but at least you know where to go find it when you need that. With practice, though, the command line can be like a pair of comfortable shoes, something you feel warm with when it's time to move on. So we'll talk about the command line. So again, you know, it is the one method. It always works to access and configure a device with a route switch or router or other device. It can be accessed via several methods. Commonly, at least when you're first learning out, you know, as my recommendation from the last webinar was, it is a good idea to work with real hardware just so that you get a feel for plugging and playing with cables and interfaces and things of that nature. Then that situation, a consort console port or cable would be the preferred way to uh, interact with the device. Or you can use simulation, you know, the viral product, or there's the other open source solutions out there, GNS3 or EVNG. All of them you can interact with via SSH or Telnet. Jeff just mentioned a product that he brings up numerous times in this presentation. Viral, or Virtual Internet Routing Lab, is Cisco's powerful network simulation platform with Cisco OS virtual machines shipped with the software package. It's your flexible all-in-one virtual networking lab. The Cisco Learning Network Store also has a powerful network virtualization and orchestration platform associated with Viral called Virtual Internet Routing Lab Personal Edition, or Viral PE. 
Whether you're studying for your CCIE, CCNP, or CCNA, Viral PE enables you to practice by creating highly accurate models of existing or planned networks in a safe virtual environment. Design and test your designs anywhere, as Viral PE is portable. Jeff provides even more information and resources about how you can get started with your practice of using Cisco Labs in our previous episode, CCNA Exam Preparation with Jeff Anderson. If you'd like more information about using the methods Jeff just described, please give that episode a listen, or visit the Cisco Learning Network where you can find all kinds of resources that will help you get started in your lab training. And even if you have physical hardware, once you've configured it, you can access it from a network port, both SSH or Telnet sessions. There are several useful and helpful items in the command line. If you're unsure of where you are or what's available to be used, this is something that everybody should know and should have just like an autonomous response to. Press the question mark and hit return, and that will show what commands are available. The other thing that's really important is that you can use partial commands. So many of, if, you want, if we go back to that page and we take a look at the full configuration command list, many of them are very long words and long strings, and that can become tedious to type. You can use partial commands as long as they are not ambiguous. That is, if you type S-H-O-I-N-T, that will perform the same as the full show interfaces command. Something very helpful and very useful. There's also tab complete. So if there is no ambiguity, again, just like above, the tab key will finish typing out the command for you. At first, I wasn't quite sure how important this was, but I've been to enough Cisco Lives now, and I've seen enough TMEs, technical marketing engineers, working through their labs. I see them using the question mark and the tab to complete commands all the time. So clearly, it's not just for us newbies. It's not for less skilled people. Even the people who have been doing this for most of their career rely upon these tips and tricks. And if you forget a parameter, and it's very common, we'll show you one of the commands that's fairly complex to do, you can use the question mark to prompt you what the acceptable next step in the parameters that list you need to do. You can also use the arrows to re-enter the last command. You can use the up arrow to scroll back and down arrow to scroll forward to repeat a command that has been done. But beyond that, the command line interface, like a Unix shell, has a lot of really cool features to it. And I'm sure that part of it is back because when this was originally created in the early 1990s or the late 1980s, the developers looked to the systems that they were building on top of at the time. Many of them were Unix operating system boxes. And you'll see a whole lot of Unix script-like, shell-like prompts or shell-like actions that you can do, including the pipe command. So you can use the pipe and include or exclude or begin to filter out uninteresting output. If you have a well-configured complex device, running a show running config can be pages, dozens of pages long, and it can be very difficult to find what you're looking for. It. But if you want to just look at the interface portion of it, you can look at begin interface and it will skip everything up before that. Or if you want to exclude the interface, you can exclude interface and it will show everything but the interfaces. Really cool things that you can do with that. The other thing, and this is also goes back to its early origins back in the day when you were interacting with multi-user systems, Unix systems with VT terminals, you often didn't have arrow keys. You often had to use key bindings to do things forward and backwards. And many of the key bindings for Emacs, text, motion, inserts, and things of that nature are 
all replicated in Cisco IOS. So Control A will get you to the beginning of the line, Control E will go to the end of the line, Control F will go forward a character, Control B will go back a character, etc., etc., etc. Depending upon what your keyboards look like or how much of a Unix person you are, if you're an Emacs person, this should become second nature to you and you'll love it. If you're like me who barely was able to use Emacs back in my college days many, 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 many years ago, I was a Vi guy myself, so not so useful, but again, that's another feature of the Cisco IOS command line. You're going to make errors, so we'll take a look at some of the errors that you can do, and when I do a little bit of a hands-on session, I will, of course, make some errors, probably do it on purpose or by accident, because, you know, I'm not a very good typist, but you're going to make errors. The nice thing about iOS is it will tell you with a caret symbol exactly where the error was, so it'll be the first thing that you did wrong, but you'll see that little up caret, which will be where the first thing, the inappropriate word, the inappropriate parameter, the inappropriate command. It also happens when you're in the wrong mode, so sometimes when you're typing a command that you know is correct, but you're doing it in one of the modes that doesn't make sense for it, you will find that gives you the same issue. If you submit an incomplete command, iOS will alert you. You know, let's look at, uh, we're going to set the clock. You know, something fairly common. Yes, today in production environments, just about nobody sets the clock themselves, but as CCNA students, you should uh, become familiar with setting clocks and calendars and time zones. It's just something that may be covered on exams. So again, it's something that you should become familiar with. And setting the clock is actually a fairly simple command, but it is structured. So you have to make sure you type it correctly and complete it. And if you're like me, where you only do it about once every six months, you've probably forgotten the order and the correct syntax to use for the command. So you could do what I do is just use the question mark repeatedly to flesh out all the details. And again, as I said, you can fumble your way through an unfamiliar command like this way, and you'll be surprised at how many very skilled people who have been doing this a long time, when they are working with a command that they don't use every day, they will often use this to fumble their way through. And this is also a tip for taking the test. You fumble your way through a command just to make sure you haven't missed anything. So again, something very useful to keep in mind. Jeff next starts to discuss the three main command line modes, user exec mode, privileged exec mode, and global configuration mode. The user exec mode is, by default, where to begin the session with Cisco IOS devices. The privileged exec mode contains the complete command from the user exec mode. Finally, the global configuration mode is where you're able to make your configurations. So we're going to switch now and we're going to talk about the three levels of access and modes. As with most operating systems, we do have password protection, we have access control, and we have different levels of execution ability. So we'll talk about the distinct modes of operation. So there's typically the user exec, that's what you get when you first start with the screen, and that starts off with the greater than cursor. That one is by default on device, if it hasn't been configured, you connect to the port, you hit return, you're going to be in user config mode. Not a good idea to leave it unprotected, you can set a password for it, you can set the secret for it so that once you put it into an actual environment that you don't have random people accessing it. But if random people do access it, there really isn't really much that they can do. They can see some of the parameters, they can set some temporary access control things, but there really isn't a significant amount of malfeasance damage. They can't do anything that will really hurt the system, but they can poke around and see quite a bit about how the system works. For example, though, in the user exec mode, you really can't do any of the show commands. To move to that, you need to go to the privileged exec mode. 
to do that is called the enable mode. You just type enable. You should have a password set up for that. And from that, you can do an awful lot of things. You can set the clock, for example. You can do a lot of the show commands. You can get a lot of information about VLANs and trunks and you know, all the things that are, you're probably studying for in your CCNA. So again, you can get quite a bit of information there. But that doesn't really let you configure the good stuff on the system. And by the good stuff, I mean the things that you plug cables into, so ports and interfaces and things of that nature. To do that, you need to enter in a config mode. The other thing to mention, sorry, I should have said this before, but the big difference, the visual tell between exec mode, user exec mode, and privileged exec mode is that your command prompt changes from a greater than sign to the hash sign. When you move to global config mode, and this is where you can start setting things that stick with the system, things that are configured and can be saved with the system, you'll see that the prompt becomes in parentheses config and the hash mark. That there is the way you can tell between the three modes. And from global config mode, you can go into interface config or VLAN config or a whole bunch of other places to go. So again, each one of these can springboard into a different area for both your study, both for topics and knowledge that you will need for the CCNA, but also with how you actually interface and work with real devices. So I'll go into a little bit more detail on different modes. So in the user exec mode, like I said, it's with that denoted by that greater than sign prompt. You really have no ability to change any important or permanent parameters here. You can view many parameters, but not all of them. You do have access to some of the common troubleshooting commands, ping, traceroute, others. So again, it's a very common thing to do. If you have access to a device, like I said, I always go by learning by doing. I use the question mark to see what the list of commands are. You'll see quite a few that pop up here. To go into enable mode, uh, that is the denoted by the hash sign prompt. This does open up the iOS universe. You can move from enable to the various configuration modes. You get access to a lot of things that do affect the system. To go back to user exec mode, you can just do disable. Very common to spend a lot of time here. In fact, I almost never spend any time in user exec mode. I almost always, always go straight to uh, enable mode and work on from there. If you're actually going to be changing configurations, fiddling with ports, configuring VLANs, altering names, things of that nature. You do that in the global configuration mode. And that is, as I mentioned earlier, denoted by the uh, config in parentheses with the hash sign and prompt. It is used for global configuration. You can do things like host name, clock, crypto, things of that nature here. The changes are immediate. That is when you change something, it actually changes it on the running system. So you don't have to go and save anything or do anything if you are actually writing it to the running configuration in the system. And in one way that can be dangerous if you you've changed something and you didn't save what you had before and you break it, then you have to try to remember how to undo it. Again, these are things that you learn in your journey towards a CCNA. It's best to learn it in a labbing environment before you get onto real devices. So play, break things, fix them. That's how we all learn. But of course, you know, most switches, most routers have more than one interface, you know. So for example, Catalyst 2960 can have, you know, 12 or 24 interfaces. I think the latest versions of it can have, you know, multiple gigabit Ethernet interfaces. So again, each one of those interfaces can be configured separately. And you can do that by changing to interface configuration mode. This is denoted by the config-if 
in parentheses and then the hash prompt. So you'll see that in this case here, we're configuring the interface that is the gigabit ethernet zero slash zero interface. And then if you do a, a question mark command, you will start seeing the list of interface commands. This is where you can do things like set up trunking. I mean, you can set up VLANs. You can actually attach it to a VLAN. You can do a whole bunch of things of this nature with it. You can set interface level parameters such as duplex, the MTU size, speeds, and much, much more. You can also do this in ranges of interfaces. So you can do, you know, interface ports, you know, E0, 1 through 5, or 1 through 8, or 1 through 12. Whatever you do, you see, you can do multiples at once. So you don't have to do them line by line. As you can imagine, in larger switches where there's hundreds of ports, it would be very tedious to do that port by port. One thing that I always stumbled on early and I still stumble upon occasionally is that when you configure interface by default it's shut down which means it's not functioning so you'll wonder why you're not getting packets through it so just remember when you're configuring interface make sure you type the no shutdown command just to make sure that it's up and in a good condition and also something to keep in mind if you're using viral and you're using the virtual iOS for layer 2 which is our switching image by default it believes that all the ports on that you've configured on it are routing ports so you need to issue a switch port command particularly if you're trying trying to set it up as a trunk between two switches, something that is a very common lab to do early in your ICMD1 scenario. So I'll have to admit that I spent a couple of hours one afternoon figuring out that one. And of course, there's VLAN configuration mode. Um, VLANs are for virtual LANs, private segments of the network broadcast nodes that you can segment and curtail your traffic. Very useful in all but the smallest of LANs. It is denoted by a config-VLAN in parentheses with the hash mark. Keep in mind here that from the global configuration mode, you're typing VLAN and you need to actually add a number. So by default, all switches have VLAN 1 defined. That's just the bulk. The VLAN, everything is in it by default. Everything's enabled in it by default and all the management interfaces are there by default. So start with two and you can go up to 4024. The name is optional. If you don't put a name, it'll say VLAN and then the number of the VLAN, but that's very unhelpful. You know, maybe if you're just doing a bunch of labs and you're working things through things, you can save that little bit of time, but it's a good idea and it's a good discipline to get into to actually assign a name to it. Engineering, marketing, sales, operations, whatever it happens to be. That way, when you come back to it in the future, you can remember what you were doing with it. And in a production environment, it becomes absolutely essential because then it can become part of the rule. But the name is not used for anything. So it's really just for human readability and your sanity. The rest of Jeff Anderson's presentation on most common CLI commands for the CCNA exam, which includes a demonstration of these commands, can be found on the Cisco Learning Network. The Cisco Learning Network also provides a library of training videos and study sessions that can help you in your journey to pass the CCNA exam and get CCNA certified. Please subscribe to the Cisco Learning Network podcast and be sure to leave us a review on iTunes if you found this helpful. Special thanks to Frank C77, Light Alex, Dukes50, Crockett M, and Jason Carver for your incredibly supportive reviews. Thanks for listening.